Hi, Beer and Ballet fans. I'm so excited for you to listen to this wonderful conversation with two of some of my favorite people within my life. However, just FYI, we did have a little bit of mic issues, so you'll hear that within the first, like, eh, two minutes of this podcast. However, we're still learning. We're still growing. It's a really great time, and I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. to another podcast. I am your host, as always, Amber Daniels, and I have not one, but two fabulous dancers sitting right in front of me. First off, I have Becky. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) And then I also have Gearson. Yow. (laughs) And we are here. We are all current graduates of University of Maryland. Proud of it. We're having a blast. Um, And I wanted to bring both of these wonderful folks here to have a lovely conversation about their concentration. I guess let's just go right to it, y'all, if you don't mind. Um, How do you describe your concentration? What are you doing? What's happening? Uh, So I'm Becky, and my concentration is, I call it percussive dance. Yes, that is a broad term, um, until I find a better term, it's the one I'll use. And that means that I'm sampling from an array of mostly North American progressive dance styles. So I grew up tap dancing and doing clogging and flat footing. I've also studied uh, Quebecois step dance and Irish step dance. And so I kind of think about the body as being a human instrument and how do you accompany music, often um, fiddle tradition, so live live music collaborations. And I kind of look at a dance in that way. Um, what you got over there? Um, hello, everyone. <laughs> My name is Garson. Um, I'm a tap dancer, and I am I am in the realm of tap dancing, a rhythm tap dancer. If, you know, there's categories when it comes to tap dancing. <laughs> some folks say Broadway tap dance. Some people say a rhythm tap dance. Um, so I just, nonetheless, I think it's also important to say that all of this is tap dancing. A shuffle remains a shuffle no matter where you put it. Uh, but um, rhythm tap dancing is often described as down to the earth um, very rhythmic um, and less less Broadway-ish which means less use of like the hands and trying to create different pictures but mainly focus on the music that comes uh, generating out of the body this is all very interesting to me because we ballet modern Um, all of these different genres, you know, there's some sort of rhythmic something or other that happens. Um, If you go and take beer and ballet classes, there's a lot of rhythm that happens within the space. So this program is modern-based, right? And then we have these two amazing rhythmic dancers. um, And I watch y'all during class, and it's amazing. It's really great the way that y'all intake um, certain exercises that we do, certain combinations that we do, and seeing, you know, the other dancers who are more prone, I guess, towards the modern dance world. Um, how do you guys kind of walk into class where it's almost as if, you know, the, the, it feels like it's not your area, but y'all are totally rocking it? <laughs> I feel like Yeah, it's- I mean, I think I think the, the reality is if you are um, – a tap dancer, flamenco dancer, ever step dancer, clogger, like there isn't going to be an MFA program where you get to walk in and take technique three times a week in your field. That's, that's a fact. Yeah. 
just that's the that's the reality of it. So then you have to kind of walk in and be like, all right, if I want to represent these forms and I believe in them and I want to see them like make its way into the academic dance canon, you kind of have to show up and translate all your years of knowledge into into modern or postmodern or contemporary movement. Like you're kind of asked to do that. So I think I walk into class being like, all right, what's this ride going to be today? <laughs> like you like kind of lean into discomfort. Um, Liz Lerman says that, like, let discomfort um, lead to inquiry. And I think that has been a lot of my motto here at UMD. Is like there is very often where I feel like I'm at 100% in my comfortable space. Unless I'm in the studio with Gerson or mm-hmm. Roxy King or some other people. And I feel like I'm 100% comfortable. But. Yeah, what do you say? For me, I walk into class with a mindset where I think of myself and being in New York City and going to a class that steps on Broadway or Broadway Dance Center. Um, and I don't really take it in a way where there is pressure on me in getting a, a, a letter grade. Um, I show up saying I'm taking this class to explore something I don't know. What does that mean? That means that I don't take class serious. I love that so much. (laughs) I really do. No, because honest to God, there's a lot of people um, who are taking beer and ballet classes. Like, Becky, you've seen it. You've taken some of these classes where some folks are like, what the fuck am I getting into and they they get a little nervous about it but walking in with that headspace of like who cares (laughs) I'm gonna come in I'm gonna learn whatever I'm gonna learn and that's all that you know is important so I love that yeah that's how I approach class because if I really start taking it serious then I'm start feeling like I don't belong I'm start feeling like I need need to quit (laughs) because I've never taken modern dance um, so when I step into the place, I know that I'm going to pick up some things and some things I'm not going to pick up. And in tap dancing, um, on one of my philosophies as a teacher and instructor, if, if, if you don't get the entire combination, that's okay. But pick that one thing and stick to it and try to develop that one thing. That could be a shuffle. That could be the cramp roll. Um, and I take that philosophy as a student, too. Like, Obviously, when I'm in a room with everybody else who are who their expertise is modern dancing, they picking up phrases real quick. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm not able to do that, but I'm gonna take the first eight counts and try to really dig into that and see how my body is translating that information. And then once I do that, try to figure out how this could be something that could potentially influence my dancing. Now, with as a tap dancer. Um, Sometimes there is things to grab from that is beneficial for my tap dancing. Sometimes there isn't. Um, but it's just a matter of grabbing what you think fits with you, your personality, your dancing. Sometimes you just say, fuck it, I, I don't, it, this is not meant for me, and that's okay. AKA, don't take it serious. <laughs> yeah, totally. I definitely have to say, like, um, with Gerson entering the program, it does bring this, like, I admire his like radical joy approach to class, um, where it's like you end up just like smiling and laughing and like leaning into it, and that has been such a breath of fresh air as opposed yeah. to being the only, the only one that is not 
the like expert in the room, it's like really nice to to kind of just like laugh about it. Be like, yeah, I mean, getting that one like that, we gotta look at each other. <laughs> and that's been a, a gift, and I feel like I've, I've gotten that from him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. This is also a good, I wanted to enter in this before having this conversation. We just kind of jumped into it. But do you mind giving a brief, like, who are you for our audience? Like, where have you been? Um, That sort of thing. Just very, very brief. Because y'all have been to some very cool spots, and y'all have done some very cool work. Um, Well, again, um, I'm Gerson. I'm I'm born and raised in Honduras. I, I've been fortunate enough to be in tap dancing for, for quite a while and gotten a chance to, to go to the Jacob's Pillow and travel the world performing. Um, I got in the chance to have done an, an off-Broadway shows and also a Broadway show. Um, tap, tap dancing has been my, my passport around the world and to meet a lot of cool people. Um, and even be be here um, with other amazing artists to to share to share the art form of dance in general and 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 have conversations that allow us to think how can we bring tap dancing to higher education ultimately I think that's one of my goals and and I'm taking my experience to be able to bring that over to to higher ed. Mm. Did I answer the question? You so did. Okay. Yeah, totes, totes. <laughs> <laughs> Becky, how about you? Yeah, um, I grew up in rural Michigan, and my parents dragged me around to like music festivals. Um, I remember seeing dancing done to fiddle music and loving the conversations with fiddle puppet dancers and being like, "Oh my god, they're they're joyful and there's this like dialogue and there's like a call and response and a conversation." And so, kind of ever since then, I been in love with those kind of styles. Um, I ended up living in West Virginia for about 10 years working for Augusta Heritage Center, which is a arts nonprofit focused on preserving, promoting American roots, music, dance, and folklore. And then um, decided, you know, dance is the, the thread the whole time. And so um, got to do a U.S. State Department tour called One Beat and right before coming here. And then I applied to go to grad school here. And yeah, I'm in D.C., for the time being, got to do a Strathmore residency last year. I feel like I'm super passionate about bringing dance into music spaces and live music into dance spaces, and also sort of integrating that philosophy into oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> academia as well. And I think you know, like the commercialization of music, also left the dance behind. It wasn't always like yeah. the dance and the music have always been in conversation, but the more that gets pushed in certain ways the more separate it gets and I am pretty adamant about that I've done a couple of music residencies being the only dancer um because of that as well yeah and we'll get to that in a second because <laughs> there's a huge project that both of these folks have been working on um and it's kind of great it's kind of like taking a place in history which is really exciting and awesome Becky I want to go back because mm-hmm. you started talking about Um, bringing music into spaces, and I had the absolute pleasure of going to, I don't even, I want to say show, I know it wasn't, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but Becky is also a caller, (laughs) is that the right way of saying it? Yeah, yeah, I'm an Appalachian Square Dance caller, which, you know, because of COVID, it's not something that 
really happening very much right now. Um, but I learned that in West Virginia. I did this heritage tourism project there that um, was connecting and promoting and preserving these small rural square dances throughout the mountains. Um, we did a documentary film called Real and Boys Realum, and from that experience, I learned how to call square dances. I'm pretty adamant, too, in the square dance calling world as, um, you know, embracing the tradition, but also letting that tradition evolve so that it is more inclusive of, of all bodies and ages and um, gender identities and all of that. I uh, So I take from the past and change it so that it is more inclusive in the future. But you did your first square dance. Oh, my God. It was literally the, y'all, I had to have a couple of years in order to do it. She was amazing. Shout out to all the breweries who uh, helped me out there. But... <laughs> Yeah, it was so much fun. I, I, I also just didn't really know. Have you gone to one of these things? I have oh, no. Yeah. You you <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a setup. People. It's a setup. It's a setup. It, I just like, I didn't even know what to expect because mm -hmm. you and I have talked about these yeah. things. But with COVID, yeah. I mean, there, I, I don't know how you've. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I walked in, y'all, and literally, just like you said, different bodies, different ages, different, so many different cultures and people were in that space. Mm -hmm. um, and luckily, I wasn't the only person who's never done this thing before. Never. But thank God for the people who have done it for years, because they, they didn't even know me. And they just grabbed my hand, and they were like, you must be new. Oh. Yeah, but in a good way. Not in a bad way. Yeah, it was yeah. just like, you must be new. When she says, walk three times to the right, she literally means walk three times to the right. And I go, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I did it. And then we started doing these, like, under-over things. And, um, but it was, so, it was so beautiful just to be in a space dancing with people mm -hmm. again. That place was packed. Yeah, it, it is, you know? It's like on average, I feel like 100 is usually like a small square dance. And I think there's something about it. There's also this revival period that's happening where like there's other kind of punk people like me that are like, no, everybody can, let's morph this tradition. Everybody can be included. Um, kind of happening around the country. But it's awesome. It's like, it's funny. Sometimes people just need to be gently told like, hey, how about you circle to the left? And then if you give them a structure, if you give anyone a structure, they can then improvise within it. And I think that's the beauty of square dance. Like, here's the structure, fairly basic. Like, anyone can walk and turn and, like, do these simple moves. But inside of that, how you choose to, like, get down in any way that you want with your yeah. footwork, with your, like, laughter, with your playfulness. Like, there's space for that. And I think that's why, why there are people that are attracted to it. Hey friends, just popping in to say happy Pride Month. That's right, June is Pride Month. It's one of my favorite times of the year. It's a time where I can go back within the history of this community and really celebrate and recognize the work that's being done for this community to feel okay with announcing who they are proud to be. And in honor of this, we're doing something really cool and fantastic. So we have brand new t-shirts, brand new tank tops that help celebrate our friends of the LGBTQ plus community. And 50% of all the proceeds that are sold during the month of June will go towards the Trevor Project. Yes, you heard that right, 50%. So not only will you have something 
physical to wear, but you can rest assured that you are also contributing to a wonderful cause such as the Trevor Project. If you want to know more about this project, you can go to www.trevorproject.org or hey, shoot me an email and I'm happy to send you all of the info that I know. This is not the only event that we will be doing through Pride Month and trust me, I will be letting you know of what the rest of the events are to come. But in the meantime, let's get back to this podcast. There's so many classes too that I didn't, not classes, they're not classes, like events, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm noticing now, now that I know about them, I, they're on the calendar all the time, or at least in Baltimore they are, y'all. Um, they're everywhere. Yeah, there's square dances, honky tonks. You know, there's like lots of scenes. I have to be part of like the Americana folk music scene. So wait, together. what is honky tonk? Because I hear honky tonk <laughs> and I think Toby Keith. Yeah, so, like it's like a two-step, you know. Like a, two it's, step. Yeah, you just two-step and a waltz, and um, yeah, kind of like Toby Keith. That all works. <laughs> it's like the kind of music you like sit and drink a beer with, and you I don't know you sit, you you dance and you drink beer, and you're like dancing with a partner, and yeah, you know, doing all that fun stuff. I love social dance. I mean, my. My dance floor, I'm like, yeah, it can live in a studio, but it doesn't live in the studio. Mm-hmm. What fills my heart lives in the world, in the community, mm-hmm. in, like, life. Like, those are the times I'm happiest while dancing. Because, you know, in the studio, you can just too much in your head, and you feel you're, like, too, you're, you're just you. But when you're, like, in a conversation with others, whether that's two-stepping, waltzing, square dancing, tap dance, cypher, like, mm-hmm. any of these things, you're, like, in a conversation. Yeah with who's ever there yeah this kind of brings me to you Gearson a little bit of like so we I also had the pleasure (laughs) of taking a a very short amount of time of a class from you um which you were very gentle (laughs) so thanks I had to wrangle them in a little bit (laughs) (laughs) but there was this really cool exercise that you did I've taken tap way long time ago back when I was a studio competition kiddo, okay. which, oh God, um, <laughs> they usually picked me for like the tap solos and I would go and I would do it. That's but a beautiful I, thing. I have terrible knees. And so that had to stop very quickly. Gotcha. Um, and I miss it a lot. So it was great to take class, sure. but there was this really cool exercise that you did where we took class and then he had us turn around and face the wall. And then he was like, okay, we're going to do a couple of sounds. It was actually Becky and Gearson teaching this class, which was really exciting to see. It was also very interesting to see how you both differently teach. Like, you have such creative ways in teaching. But we turned around, and both of them just started making sounds. (laughs) Um, And we had to interpret with our body what those sounds were after taking this hour and a half, maybe hour and 15 class. Mm Um, the reason why I like it and the reason why I'm bringing it up now is because Becky's kind of bringing in this conversation of, you know, just gently telling somebody, no matter what level they are, no matter what genre they call their home, um, how do you interpret this? And you have the freedom to take ownership in however you interpret it. Um, I feel like that's why I like tap a lot is because, yeah, there's, there's the sounds, and hopefully you make the right sounds at the right time, especially if you're dancing with somebody. But there's this freedom within the upper body most of the time, or at least I've experienced, mm-hmm. that you can make choices and you can take ownership in the rhythm, in the sound mm-hmm. that you're making. 
Yeah, t tap dancing. Um, tap dancing is is very difficult. It is not easy. No. Like any art form, the beginning stages of learning is it's really difficult, and you don't really have a voice. The the finding your identity within tap dancing takes a long time. Take takes a long time. Mm -hmm. So. When when. One of the elements in building that identity is being able to listen, um, listen, because tap dancing is also music. And so when we get to this exercise that I learned from Derek Grant, um, he lay, he calls it uh, no peaky peaky. No peaky, peaky. <laughs> um, the purpose of that exercise is to train the dancer's ear to hear and differentiate a sound of a heel, a sound of a shuffle, of a toe, of a ball change without looking. And that's the beauty about tap dancing, right? In comparison, let's say, to, to ballet, you, you can, there is no audible in ballet. Um, so, for example, if I'm, you know, if there is a blind audience member, they're not really going to be able to appreciate the right. ballet in comparison to like a tap dancing number. They might not see it, but they're going to hear it. Mm-hmm. So um, that exercise, no peaky peaky, allows the dancers to train their ear. Um, and really good tap dancers who have been in the game for a while, they'll be able to pick up the exact same step and rhythm without looking at your feet. So that's the purpose of it, and then just training that ear um, to be able to pick up choreography even. Um, so. It's, it's, it's really difficult to be able to, to do. Um, sometimes uh, what, what Derek Grant does is like if nobody gets what he's saying, um, the, 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 the participants in the class um, can raise their hand and that's a, sim uh, a, a symbol to like look back. A symbol to ultimately say, hey, Derek, what was that step? Because obviously nobody get it. I didn't, for example, I wouldn't get it. So mm -hmm. then I would look back and then he would do it again and then I would see it. And then you realize that it's the simplest step ever. <laughs> so that's, um, it's, it's really awesome exercise and it's one of my favorites to do in class as well. So. Yeah. I I was obsessed with it. It was pretty great. And I got so frustrated with myself. <laughs> yeah, it's really frustrating, too, because you're like, what the hell? Like, what is that? Because you only get, like, it's only a bar, so, like, a count of four, like, one, two, three, four, and then you get to repeat what that rhythm is. And it could be real simple. It could be just clap, like, one, and then the other guys will repeat. Um, but it, it could be, it could get really complex, too. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally. I loved taking that class and I loved you both teaching it. What was really interesting, Becky, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. I think you wore like no taps on your mm -hmm. shoe, right? Um, that's why it was so interesting to me to see the difference in teaching style. Mm -hmm. Something that I noticed, and I'm trying to explain it to you audience members who are hopefully just safely, if you're driving, not doing these steps. No, um, no please don't. But, <laughs> but, you know, the accent, or at least the, the way of standing, I probably have this wrong, but the way of standing, I have always been taught in tap to have more of my weight in the balls of my feet knee slightly bent a little bit just to like get that sound in 
which I, I feel like I connected with you, Gerson, on that. But then, Becky, there was moments where you were like, no, you have to dig into the... I'm shuffling you guys. Do you hear this? <laughs> um, where you have to dig into the ground a little bit more. Um, is that because... I, basically, what I'm asking is, like, what really is the difference between your two worlds? Besides, I don't often see you in taps, Becky. I see you in, like, a flat sold chew. Yeah, I usually, you, I mean, there's multiple reasons why you usually see me a flesh shoe. One is because it's part of the tradition of kind of like having like a leather hard-soled shoe. The second is we don't have all the spaces to dance um, at, the, at the university and top. So I use leather so I can dance on wood, wood surfaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just had this conversation about how... How you know tap and and flapping or Appalachian step dance like there's a there's a lot of broad titles of that people call it like jigging clogging fluff footing hoe down buck dancing all of these things um, and it changes regionally but they have the same history they both developed um, from sort of emerging of in enslaved African African Americans and um, indentured. Irish servants, and that's like the, that's the start of it, except it sort of evolved, and tap became more of an urban form, and then followed the, the parallel, the journey of jazz music, which has taken us all the way up to hip-hop right now, and it's continued to parallel, and will, whereas flat footing kind of stayed with the string band um, music in rural areas, and had more Native, I would say Native American influence because of those rural areas. But they're, they're such siblings, and if they, they weren't, like, we wouldn't be able to have conversations with each other. Like, the weight shifts would be so different that our bodies would have such a different, different relationship. So we've been, we've been showing each other footage um, lately and kind of talking about yeah, that. Yeah, and, and I was looking at this footage, um, and I was looking at my own lineage of what tap dancing is, um, and I just saw so many, so many like, similarities between, um, you know, flat footing or buck or whatever it is that, you know, you want to call it. Um, but I, I saw all of these different footage that Becky was showing me, and I was like, wow, I see Jimmy Sly in that. Wow, I see Bunny Briggs on that. Um, so I thought it was really interesting. And then just sitting here, I was thinking about step dancing. I was like, and when I say step dancing, I mean like that African-American fraternity, sorority, mm-hmm. step dancing. Yeah, you know, stepping. And, and I was like... They don't shuffle on stepping, but on on Irish flat footing or or, or flat footing, um, or even, um, I guess what we saw we saw uh, what was the name of the Elise Aljamey Hinton. Yeah, like phenomenal dancer, and I was like seeing all kinds of great stuff in there, and like I saw pattern rolls and and shuffles, and I was like. This is even closer to tap dancing than stepping itself. Mm. So I was like, that's deep. It is, and it's like, I mean, there's there's so many, it's a complicated history that we Definitely. can say, like, there was borrowing, there was collaboration, there was stealing, there was appropriation. Yeah. Like, there's like a that's, whole, but that's also American culture. Yeah. Period. So to yeah. put that weight on just two progressive dance forms is like. It's a lot. It's not. Yeah, it's a lot. And I think, like. We have to talk about that complicated history, but we also have to celebrate the fact that there's these like cross ties between them that are so yeah beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's worth noting that 
there were I saw all kinds of bodies doing these these things. Yeah. Like I didn't just see white folks. I didn't see just black folk. I saw a mixture of all kinds of people. Um, and I thought that was pretty cool because when we think about just rural Virginia mountains, we only think about, I think, rednecks. <laughs> yeah. When you think, yeah. Keep in mind that I'm an inner city, like inner city kid. So when we think about places like this, rural, we we think rednecks, right? And mm-hmm. that's that's not the, that's not the case. After I I saw the footage that Becky showed me. Um, so I thought that was really awesome. Yeah, and the Appalachian Mountains, you know, like, it encompasses a lot of spaces. North Carolina, Virginia, mm-hmm. Tennessee, West Virginia, mm-hmm. Maryland. Like, and, yeah, there's a lot of people that have, have migrated to that. Constance Vilas Hill is an incredible tap dance scholar, and she really talks about that 300-year um, lineage of tap dance. And unfortunately, there just isn't a ton of scholarship about that parallel lineage in flat footing. And I think I think there's some people that are are passionate about that. I'm one of them, but there's lots of there's other people as well. I'm sort of demystifying those worlds and letting them be in conversation with each other, just like Gerson and I put on our shoes and are in conversation with each other. We're also in conversation with each other as friends. Yeah, you know, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's all really important to talk about um, ballet. It, really, any genre of dance, you can go back, and there's this weird complication where, like, somebody's stealing, somebody's taking credit for something they didn't do. It's absolutely insane. <laughs> um, but it's really exciting that these conversations are really starting to happen. The scholarship is happening, um, and the awareness is starting to happen too. Especially with like this community outreach as well, like folks who don't normally walk into the studio space but at least they know this information of like oh shit like there's some fucked up shit that happened mm-hmm. totally. um but we're there hey everyone i hope you enjoyed part one of our interview with becky and gerson and i also hope that you check out in two weeks Part two will be coming up. That's right. Every two weeks, we have a brand new podcast just for you, interviewing some wonderful folks within the dance and brewing industries. Also, yet again, happy Pride Month. Keep in touch with us on Instagram, Facebook, all of our social media projects, and we'll tell you about all the cool events that we're participating in and that we're doing. We're going to try and share everyone's events that are going on who we're in collaboration with. Ugh, it's my favorite time. And I just love you all so much. Thank you so much for your constant support. And I look forward to chatting with you and hopefully seeing you in class at the bar. Talk to you all soon.